0: You give to us all the provisions for our life, Lord, and we love you for it, God. And we're thankful for this day, Lord, and just uh, be with our pastor, Lord, as he, he brings that seed to us, Lord. And may it be watered, may it plant, be planted on firm foundation, Lord, soil, Lord, that is good. And, uh, and we just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Welcome to week three of streaming online services at the Abundant Life Church. I have a feeling that when this is all over and we're given the all clear to gather back together in this room, we're going to see a lot of pajamas and house slippers. So many of you have gotten accustomed to going to church dressed like that. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we won't block the door and we won't turn you around. If we got pajamas and house slippers, as long as you're inside of them, we'll be happy. <laughs> we continue to worship God today. Of course, Jim began by reading the this week's prayer from the Unite714.com website. And uh, when we read that prayer... If you look at that website, you'll see a map and you will discover that there are thousands of churches around the world praying that prayer together. And we're just one little speck on that map on Mount Juliet, Tennessee. I just think there's power in that. I think there's power in joining with other folks. And so we continue to do that just a couple of things uh, business wise uh first of all next sunday is easter it's going to be the most unusual easter sunday any of us have ever had but i want to do at least uh, one thing next week and that is each household uh get you some some grape juice or other effects of grapes that's up to you uh, and some crackers, and we're going to do communion together, uh, even if we do it streaming, which we probably will. We definitely will, but we're going to do communion together next Sunday. So during this week, just get your, your elements together and get them ready on Sunday morning. Secondly, uh, I'm not ready to make an official announcement yet about something that's probably going to happen this week. But I'll tell you this much. If you don't have Zoom, you might want to get it and get it installed on whatever device, computer, phone, tablet, whatever device you want to use. Uh, we've got something that we're putting together for this week, uh, specifically for this Thursday night. And uh, the only reason I'm not going to say any more is because we haven't gotten the 100% official verification, as Barney Fife would say. Uh, but we're pretty confident that this is coming down. So you will need to participate in that. You will need to have Zoom. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, you just need to download it to your device, install it. And then there, when you do that, you'll get an opportunity to do a test. And I would encourage doing that as well. Also, one other announcement, and some of you have been asking about this. We think we're almost positive. We're pretty for per- sure. That we have our PayPal issue fixed, so you have the, you have the now you have the avenue of uh, PayPal, you have the avenue of Venmo, or as many of you have done of mailing your tithes and offerings in, uh, or some of you have been coming by and dropping them off at the church office, and so you have several uh, avenues to, to do what is in your heart to do. So, um, today. This is has already been alluded to today is Palm Sunday. And um we wanted to just look at a passage. Uh in a moment we're gonna to turn to Luke chapter nineteen. If you want to get get that ready on your Bible or your device, whatever may be the case. And I don't want to I want to tell you then in a little while I'm gonna ask you to turn to Ezekiel. So keep your Bible or device handy. Because I'm going to want you to see this. And once we read it, you're going to want to mark it in your mind or somewhere where these passages are. Because they will certainly meet us where we are. Today being Palm Sunday, we want to talk about Jesus' mission in coming to the earth. Jesus' mission in coming to the earth uh, and seeing that uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday obviously uh, illuminate the culmination of that. Um, to to understand his mission, we see that that he was sent by the Father. We understand that from Scripture. We understand it from the words of Jesus. He was sent by his Father to the earth, and he came with a mission established by the Godhead before the world began. This is not. This was not something new when Jesus came, uh, but it was something that was in the plans all along. You, you know, I, I wrote this week, I think somewhere, maybe in the kernels of truth, that Jesus was never plan B. There was never, Jesus didn't follow an oops, uh, but he was always plan A. He came with a mission. He came with intent. First Peter says, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. I'll read that again. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. So it wasn't that God put Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and then said, oops, I got to send somebody else. It was God put Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden knowing he was sending someone else. And he did some versions say before the foundation of the world. Jesus was slain. And so his mission began long before you and I got here. And we'll understand that his mission was fulfilled on the cross. Now, you understand, you say, well, the, the gospel isn't complete without the resurrection. Well, I want to remind us that the resurrection was all the Father and all the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. So Jesus, he hangs on the cross, and he says, it is finished. It is completed. His work had been done. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. By the way, this is kind of a two-part message, and so uh, you want to dial in next week as well. We want to read Luke's account of uh, Palm Sunday. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 19, uh, we're going to read his account in and uh, we're actually going to actually come back to that uh, later on. But Luke nineteen twenty eight again, if you're in your living room, you want to stand while we read the scriptures. Uh, that's entirely up to you. Um, let me just say this. I appreciate what Jim said about loving the word of God. I believe the word of God is living and active. And if you watched my video this week in the midweek video we pointed out that the reason the word of God is living and active is because it emanates from a living and active God. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the, of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it. And bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I'll tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones would cry out. This takes place, we'll deal with it in more detail later, but this takes place one week before Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. One week before he's crucified and raised from the dead. So, by the way, if you're a note taker, I keep up with things. This account is also recorded in Matthew 21. It's also recorded in Mark 11 and it's also recorded in John 12. You can look up and, and we will refer to those in a little bit because there's just the least little bit of a difference in these accounts. So, but the first question we want to ask is why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to the earth? What purpose? Well, again, I, I'm glad you appreciate and love the Word of God because we're going to let the Word of God answer the questions. Uh, we, we've we said often, uh, quoting others, that the, the Bible sheds a lot of light on the commentaries. And the Bible is probably the best commentary on the Bible. And so I'm just going to give you some things. I can't exhaust all. And by the way, the things that I identify today... They're not exhaustive. There, there are other things, but I'm just going to identify some things. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Why do we even celebrate this season? Well, the very first thing, which encompasses all of the others, all the others kind of sit under an umbrella, and this is the umbrella. He came to please the Father and to do his will. Everything else he did, as we'll see, comes under that umbrella, to please the Father and to do his will. John records that it says, Jesus referred to the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. Jesus referred to the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. And so he came with a mission. Now it's, it's good that we understand that mission, mission transfers to us too. I want to ask you a question. Are you mission minded? Or as my friend Jim Newsom likes to say, are you in a mission mode, or are you in a maintenance mode? Are you always needing somebody to put you back together? Are you always needing somebody to prop you up? I heard someone say this week. They said during this time that we're living this crisis, um, pastors are finding out whether or not we have made disciples. Or whether or not we have spent years entertaining people. Whether or not we've made disciples or whether or not we have created cultural Christians. I pray that each one of you can answer that question by saying that you are a disciple of the Lord. The Father sent him with works to accomplish. Um, He came with a mission. In Matthew 3 we hear the voice of the Father proclaiming his pleasure with the Son. When Jesus was baptized, he said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. I think one of the main reasons you see that and hear that is that we as human beings need approbation. We need that approval. And and the Father was pronouncing that upon the Son. In John 8, 29, Jesus said, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He has sent me. By the way, John 20, 21, Jesus said to the disciples, and by proxy you, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So we're all being sent. But he said, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. So Jesus comes to the earth as the Son, God manifested in the flesh. He comes to the earth to be put, to do the things that are pleasing to the Father. John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Jesus came to do His will. We should take a clue from that. If the Son of God comes to the earth, and his entire mission is wrapped up in the words, I have come to do his will, then you and I should take a clue from that and ask God to help us do the same. We should take a lesson. The second thing that the Scripture teaches us that Jesus came to do is to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. The Scripture refers to him, and we'll read it in just a moment, as the accuser of the brothers. And sisters, and the deceiver. Revelation 12, 9 teaches us, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan. We kind of narrow down there who he's talking about. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. The deceiver. Satan would seek to deceive you and deceive me. And cause us to think what is not true. The very next verse says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Aren't you glad? We'll deal with this next week some more. But aren't you glad that when the devil comes before God's throne to make an accusation against you, all he sees is the blood of Christ. The, the accusation bounces off the blood of Christ has no effect. By the way, if you go back to Genesis three eighteen, Eve says to the Lord, the serpent deceived me. Deceived me. The works of the devil... Or to accuse and deceive. First John 3.8 just says this simply. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy, annihilate, eliminate. To get rid of the, the works that the enemy would do or attempt to do to you and to me. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, he being Jesus. That through death, don't miss that, through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Next verse says, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I'll get to it in a moment, but... Fear is one of the things we deal with in this hour. Fear is one of the things that grips us. Let me just encourage you, please, please don't allow fear to grip you. Don't allow fear to paralyze you. Um, Francesca Battistelli sings this song. I don't know if she wrote it or not. Some of you have heard it on the radio. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Had as much of you as I can take. I'm so done, so over, being afraid. The name of the song is the breakup song. And you think, okay, this is some boy breaking up with a girl. Or says, I've gone through the motions. I've been back and forth. I know what you're thinking. You've heard this before. I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to say it. Fear, you don't own me. The, the words are addressed to fear. And, and we'll use some vernacular here. There ain't no room in this story. And I ain't got time for you. This songwriter must have been from the south. Telling me what I'm not. Like you know me, guess what? I know who I am. I know I'm strong. I'm free. So fear, you will never be welcomed here. And it goes on to address fear. And obviously the intent is that you break up with fear. Don't let fear rule you. Especially don't let the fear of death. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you should never fear death. Right. I don't fear death one iota. I, I'm not ready to go now. <laughs> I'm not ready to rush it up. But I don't have one ounce of fear of death. Um, because I know, as the scripture says, in whom I have believed. I don't spend one second of my day worrying about dying. Works of the devil. Obviously, it'd be a long list, but I'll just give you a few. And I've just addressed one of them, and that is fear. If the enemy can get you to live in fear, he can get you to not live in God's will and do God's work. He can get you to not walk in the mission that he has given you. Insecurity, guilt, shame. These are qualities that the enemy would like to get you and to me to dwell in. For us to live in a place of insecurity, forgetting. That we are secure in him. Our identity is in him. And who we are rests in the father. And he would like you to live in guilt and shame. I'm, I'm going to break a little piece of news to you that you might not have known before. But not there's not any of us who are perfect. Every one of us stumble. Every one of us falter. And the enemy would like to take that stumble and take that falter and cause you to be guilty, feel guilty, and to feel shame. The scripture says Jesus bore that guilt. And he bore that shame for us. Uh, the enemy would try to get our eyes off the prize. If he can get your eyes off of the prize, off of the goal, doesn't, it doesn't take much. Then you miss the mark. And we all know that missing the mark is the very definition of Sin. Departing from the path. The enemy would try to draw us to the ways of the world. The enemy would try to tell us and trick us into thinking, that's okay, I can do that, it doesn't matter. It's it's not important. I I can act like the world and live with the values of the world, and nothing changes, but it does change because it distracts you and me from the prize. We were just listening yesterday to an old song by... Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman and he was talking about I'm going to dance with the dinosaur and we didn't know what that meant and I looked up the lyrics to the song and basically what he was saying is somewhere along the way we've lost our conscience and we've lost our convictions and some people say that those went by the way of the dinosaur that this is 2020 and none of that really matters conscience and convictions do still matter and so we're dancing With the dinosaur. And of course this verse. I can't spend time. Colossians 2.15. Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers. And authorities. And he shamed them publicly. By his victory over them. In the cross. There is a victory there that we rest in. I can't spend time. Because the third thing that says that Jesus did. Came to earth to do. Was to seek and to save. The lost. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, came to seek and to save the lost. Think about that word, lost. Lost, that means that someone has lost their way. That means someone who is wandering around aimlessly. And the Bible says Jesus came to seek and save. He, he said, I would leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep. We, where did we, where did we become a lost people, a lost generation? In the garden, in the garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve sinned, disobeyed God. From that p- moment on, all of humanity is born in sin. I know some people don't like that, but I, you can just argue with scripture. Don't argue with me. But in the garden, we became sinners. By the way, that virus is genetic. The virus of sin that came into being in the Garden of Eden is a genetic condition that each one of us are born with. There's a cure for this virus. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that would be Adam, and death through sin, So death spread. Did you notice those three words? So death spread to all men because all sinned. Again, the virus is genetic. Romans 3.23 says all, that's you and that's me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another place it says there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I'm trying to make us feel good. That Jesus would seek and save the lost. And at one point that was each one of us. By the way. You didn't find him. He found you. You weren't seeking him. He was seeking you. You you were the lost sheep. That he left the 99 to go after. We just sang about God. Chasing us down from behind. And that's God's. God's way of getting it. So when when you were saved, when you ceased being lost, and as amazing grace, the song says you were found. You were found by a God who was seeking you so that he could save you. And those of you who follow Jesus, that's what exactly what he did. Another thing Jesus came to the earth to do was to build his church. To build his church. He, he has that conversation in Matthew 16 when he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you're the son of the living God. And he says, my father has revealed this to you. You didn't, you didn't get this on your own. And then he has this complicated conversation where he says, your name, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now he was not ordaining Peter as the first Pope. He wasn't even lifting up Peter as the main leader in the church, as we see later on. Paul's confronting Peter face-to-face for some things he did wrong. It's just a little play. And some of this is my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. But in the, in the original text, he said this, you are little stones, you are little rocks, and upon this huge, massive boulder, I'm going to build my church. Now, you could say, that he's referring to Peter's confession, and I wouldn't argue with that. He would say a number of things. We as Protestants, I guess we're Protestants, I'm not exactly sure what we are, but whatever we are, Protestants have overreacted to the Catholic Church saying Peter is the Pope. We went so far the other way, we've disregarded the truth, and the truth is Jesus was talking about Peter. But he was talking about little stones. He was talking about a piece of the rock or little pieces of the rock. So if you'll allow me, I'll say to you that I believe Jesus is saying that I'm going to build my church using all these little rocks, all these little stones, and put it together. Peter was a solid individual. He was a solid person. And the church is made up of myriads of pieces of the rock. Prudential insurance notwithstanding. And don't miss it, as you see on the screen, that it is Peter who writes in his first letter that you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I might He didn't say, I will eventually. He he didn't say, I will if the devil will leave me alone. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, gates as a symbol of authority, will not prevail against it. It it, uh, bothers me when I hear people who are afraid of the devil. We have no reason to be afraid of the devil. Because Jesus said, I'll build the church The authority of hell cannot do anything against my church. Another thing Jesus came to earth to do was to see to it that we might have life more abundantly. Now, sometimes we misinterpret what that means. I'm not going to get into all that. But Jesus said, the thief, and we know the thief in this is the enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, more life than we had. The English Standard Version Study Bible Notes read this way. Jesus calls his followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life. One overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with His people. That's abundant life. Now, I'm going to ask you, as I did earlier, to turn in your Bibles or your devices to Ezekiel chapter 34. You're going to want to see these verses and you're going to want to write down the, the, uh, the location because where we live, where we are today, where we live today and with the hour we're dealing with, with COVID nineteen and all the issues, the very reason we're sitting here in an almost empty auditorium talking to you. Abundant life. Ezekiel thirty four eleven says, For thus the Lord God, for thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them, abundant life, on the mountains of Israel. By the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down declares the Lord God. Now skip over to verse 25. I will, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land. How many of you want wild beasts to be banished from your world today? I saw those hands, by the way. So that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. I almost want to sing the song. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And the earth shall yield its increase. And they shall be secure in their land. Before I go on, I want to remind you that God owns the earth. So if he says the trees will yield their fruit, he owns those trees. If he says the earth will yield its increase, he owns the earth. They shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke. Saints, this yoke is going away. This particular one, anyway. Just hang on. And deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit enslaved. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. I will provide for them renowned plantations, so that they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations, and no longer be out of toilet paper. No, that's not in there. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, with them. And that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. I am your God, declares the Lord. Hang on to those verses. That's abundant life. Jesus came to give us that abundant life. Real briefly, because we'll deal with it more next week. He said... He came to earth for this hour, and you can put that in parentheses. He came to earth for this hour. John 12, Jesus is praying. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus recognizes that this hour is the culmination of his being on the earth. This hour is going to be when he goes to the cross and pays the price. This hour is the, is the, the completeness of why he came to the earth. The, the end of his part of this is when he hangs on the cross and says it is finished. And then the, the Holy Spirit raises him from the dead. More about that. Next week. We'll finish up by looking at the kingly processional into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday. This is, I said earlier, this is one week before Resurrection Sunday. One week before he's, he's crucified. And he's right. He says to his disciples, go into town, find a donkey tied up. Uh, if you look at Matthew, it says... Uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt the foal of a beast of burden. Matthew points out that there's a, a donkey and a colt most likely the colt the, the donkey is the colt's mother and they're together. Luke does not identify both of them but the other three do. And by the way that that's a prophecy from Zechariah 9.9 that 9. Matthew records. So the young the young uh, colt is brought in. Jesus gets on the young colt and rides. And the scripture says uh, that no one has ever sat on this colt. No one. That's why we know it's a very young one, and why most likely the accompanying is its mother. Why is that important? Well, that, that means when you, when you see that, the colt has never been sit on, sat on. It implies that it's a, a kind of a purity that this animal is destined for a sacred task. No one has ever sat on this colt so that Jesus could sit on the colt and he could, he could bear a sacred task. Of carrying Jesus into Jerusalem. And we see that Luke says his disciples. But the crowds began to gather around as he's coming into the city. By the way the Jewish people at that time thought that Jesus was coming as a warrior on a white horse. And yet he comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. There's a lot could be said. They threw their coats on, on the ground. So that he could ride over them, there's an implication there. If you want to look up later on Second Kings nine thirteen, and that is that when you did that, you did that for a king. So Jesus has lived on the earth all this time as a, as a humble servant, walking around, being called the teacher some places, they called him the prophet, and now one week prior to his ultimate destiny, he's revealed to them, to all mankind. As the king. And the people that were gathered there. Somehow understood that. Because they cried out. Blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. And then of course they said. Who comes in the name of the Lord. Being sent by their father. So picture this. Jesus riding into Jerusalem. On this donkey. Crowds around. Some of them waving palms. Which is where we get Palm Sunday. doing all Singing Hosanna. Hosanna, which means, oh, save, or please save. They understood that he was the king who would save. They understood that he was the king who would be the source of their salvation. And so they were celebrating him as he came into the city. Now, he still had a lot of things to do the rest of the week. If you read the accounts, he did some things between, but this is, this is he, him coming into the city. And basically making a proclamation, I'm here, the king is here. Little did they know what was about to take place. I'm sure a majority of the people in that crowd thought he was about to annihilate the Roman army. They had no idea that he was going to become the Lamb of God. And so the, the Pharisees said to him, your disciples are acting goofy. Now that's the Granger translation. Your disciples are embarrassing themselves. Tell them to stop. And this is really important what he said. He said, if they're silent, then the rocks are going to cry out. If they're silent, the rocks are going to cry out in praise to the Lord God. His destiny was to ride into that city and become our savior. Picture that and hold that picture. Next Sunday, we'll talk about this eternal Passover lamb that the father provided, that he sent, and that you and I today live in that salvation. We live because of that salvation, because on Palm Sunday, the king rode into town. Lord Jesus We thank you today that you came to earth with a mission. We thank you that the scripture teaches us that you came obedient to the Father. You came and you humbled yourself. Became like one of us. That you emptied yourself and laid aside your privileges to come be our Savior. Lord, we we recognize that you... You did come with a mission, and we've just illuminated some of the points of your mission today. And you def- you definitely fulfilled the tasks that your Father gave you to accomplish, all the way to the cross. Lord, in this in this season, in this time of the year that we celebrate this, and yet we find ourselves in in uh, what some have deemed a crisis we'd find ourselves in an unusual way of life lord let us let us uh, run into uh, this salvation let us rest in your work let us watch what you went through what you what you endured for us and for to obey the father let us never lose sight that you are our king and that you are our savior, And we can cry out to you, thank you for being our savior. We don't have to say, oh, save or please save. But we can say thank you for saving. Lord, I pray for all of those who are watching and listening. That they would be empowered with the presence of God that would drive out. Fear, you came, Lord Jesus, to destroy the works of the devil. Help us as your people to not be subject to the works of the devil that you came to destroy. Let us not, let us not believe his lies, but believe you. I pray that you would drive out fear out of every household. I pray that you would drive out insecurity, guilt, shame, all the things that the enemy would attempt during this time to cause us to waver. And help us to grip the solid rock today. We bless your name. We worship you. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week. And we'll talk to you soon.